Welcome to episode 587 of the 1010 Thrive Podcast, brought to you by 1010 Thrive Ministries. I'm Peter Anderson. 1010 Thrive. 10 minutes a day based on 10 guidelines for abundant living. Today we wrap up our episodes in recognition of Black History Month. Today's Top 10 List 10 Important Figures in Early African American Christian History Number 1 Lemuel Haynes, the abandoned child of an African father and a white woman, became an indentured servant in 1753. With only a basic formal education, Haynes developed a passion for books, especially the Bible and books on theology. As an adolescent, he frequently conducted services at the town parish, sometimes reading sermons of his own. When his indenture ended in 1774, Haynes enlisted as a Minuteman in the local militia. After the war, Haynes turned down the opportunity to study at Dartmouth College, instead choosing to study Latin and Greek with clergymen in Connecticut. In 1780, he was licensed to preach. He accepted a position with a white congregation in Middle Granville and later married a young white school teacher. In 1785, Haynes was officially ordained as a congregational minister, probably the first African-American ordained by a mainstream Protestant church in the United States. Number two. Phyllis Wheatley was captured by slave traders and brought to America in 1761. Upon arrival, she was sold to the Wheatley family in Boston. Within 16 months, having been educated by her slaveholding family, she could read the Bible, Greek and Latin classics, and British literature. She also studied astronomy and geography. At age 14, she began to write poetry, publishing her first poem in 1767. In 1773, with financial support from the English Countess of Huntington, Wheatley traveled to London to publish the first book written by a black woman in America. Poems on various subjects, religious and moral. It included a foreword signed by John Hancock and other Boston notables, as well as a portrait of Wheatley, all designed to prove that the work was indeed written by a black woman. Shortly thereafter, she was emancipated. Her work influenced many abolitionists, ministers, and people of color. Number three. Soon after Richard Allen was born to slave parents, the family was sold to a Delaware farmer. At age 17, he became a Methodist convert and at 22 was permitted to preach. After he bought his freedom, he went to Philadelphia where he joined St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church. Occasionally, he was asked to preach to the congregation. He also conducted prayer meetings for blacks. Restrictions were placed on the number permitted to attend these meetings and Allen, dissatisfied, withdrew in 1787 to help organize an independent Methodist church. In 1787, he turned an old blacksmith shop into the first church for blacks in the United States. His followers were known as Allenites. In 1799, Allen became the first African-American to be officially ordained in the ministry of the Methodist Episcopal Church. The organization of the Bethel Society led in 1816 to the founding of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, which elected Allen its first bishop. Number four. Born to a poor but free black family in New Jersey, Jarena Lee, whose maiden name is unknown, moved to Philadelphia as a teenager. She converted to Christianity after she heard Richard Allen preach. Sometime thereafter, she felt called to preach and shared this with Allen. However, the bishop of the AME Church told the young woman that the church's ban against female ministers precluded him from granting her permission to preach. In 1811, Jarena married Pastor Joseph Lee, and the couple had two children. After seven years of marriage, Lee's husband died. During the course of her marriage and after her husband's death, her desire to proclaim the word of God grew even stronger. This caused Lee to advocate for women in ministry. 
1819, during a worship service at Bethel Church, a guest preacher began struggling with his message and abruptly stopped preaching. As he stared into the congregation at a loss for words, Lee sprang to her feet and began preaching, picking up where the minister had left off. After Lee's sermon, she was afraid that Bishop Allen would punish her for preaching without permission. On the contrary, Allen was so impressed by Lee that he officially gave her authorization to preach the gospel. Number 5 A former slave, Sojourner Truth became an outspoken advocate for abolition, temperance, and civil and women's rights in the 19th century. Her Civil War work earned her an invitation to meet President Abraham Lincoln in 1864. Truth moved to New York City in 1828, where she worked for a local minister. By the early 1830s, she participated in the religious revivals that were sweeping the state and became a charismatic speaker. In 1843, she declared that the Spirit called on her to preach the truth, renaming herself from Isabella Bornfree to Sojourner Truth. As an itinerant preacher, Truth met abolitionists William Lord Garrison and Frederick Douglass. Garrison's anti-slavery organization encouraged Truth to give speeches about the evils of slavery. Number 6 Born free in South Carolina, Henry McNeil Turner was a gifted speaker, largely self-educated. He was licensed as what was called a lay exhorter, authorized to travel throughout the South preaching and evangelizing. In 1858, he joined the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and the following year was assigned to the AME Mission in Baltimore, which enabled him to enroll in Trinity College for Divinity Study, his first formal education. He was ordained a deacon in 1860 and an elder two years later. During the Civil War, he helped recruit blacks as Union troops and was commissioned the first black army chaplain. Following the war, he was sent to Georgia as a member of the Reconstruction Forces, but he resigned to recruit members for the AME Church in that state. He held a series of political offices in Georgia and in 1876 became director of the AME Publishing House in Philadelphia. Four years later, he was elected bishop in Georgia. Number 7 Born a slave, Amanda Berry Smith began to preach and sing at holiness camp meetings in 1870, eventually becoming well-known for both of these talents. In 1878, she traveled overseas and preached in Great Britain, in India, and for eight years in Liberia. Upon her return to the United States, she pursued her long-time dream of educating African-American children by founding the Amanda Smith Orphanage, an industrial home for abandoned and destitute colored children in Harvey, Illinois. Number 8 William Joseph Seymour was an African-American holiness preacher who initiated the Azusa Street Revival, an influential event in the rise of the Pentecostal and Charismatic movements. He was the second of eight children born to emancipated slaves and raised Catholic in extreme poverty in Louisiana. Number 9 In 1914, one week after President Woodrow Wilson declared a National Day of Prayer, Nick Childs, an African-American newspaper man in Topeka, Kansas, sent a telegram asking the president to name a day of prayer to stop the lynchings and other outrages that are heaped upon the colored Americans of these United States. They are the only ones who suffer abuses inflicted upon them by the so-called Christians. Believing you a Christian gentleman, you could do no less than to obey such a request. 
Number 10. Thomas Andrew Dorsey, born in 1899, was an American musician, composer, and Christian evangelist, influential in the development of early blues and 20th century gospel music. He penned 3,000 songs, a third of them gospel, including Take My Hand, Precious Lord, and Peace in the Valley. And these are but a few of the men and women who were committed to the Lord despite the atrocities of slavery and racism that they faced. I wish I had more time to tell you of more people like Harriet Tubman, of whom it was said by Quaker abolitionist Thomas Garrett, I never met any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God. Or Frederick Douglass, who was licensed as a preacher when he was only 22. Or John Augustus Tolton, who was ordained as a Catholic priest in Rome in 1886. Father, thank you for the reminder that the Holy Spirit can work in and through the lives of ordinary people, even those who are oppressed and subjugated. Give us the courage and faith to submit our lives to the leading of the Spirit. That's our episode. Remember that God calls you not only to live, but to thrive. Live life to the full today.